Check out some fountain drink facts that can keep you out of sticky situations. Welcome to Service Calls, a podcast for service techs brought to you by Tech Town and Food Service Equipment Reports. In this episode, we'll hear about some do's and don'ts when it comes to maintaining fountain drink systems. And joining me is Food Service Equipment Reports Chief Content Officer, Allison Resendiz. We'll also hear about how the bill for a bad fryer hookup sank a new restaurant. But first, quarterly, we like to speak with a service agent who will answer a couple of questions on one topic that's been posted in TechTown Forum discussions. Uh, this time it's beverage systems. And on the phone from Baltimore, Maryland, we're talking to EMR technician Craig Anderson. And Craig, let's get right to it. How often should beverage lines be cleaned out and sterilized? I would say quarterly basis. You're constantly pulling syrup through the line. I would say quarterly. So is the cleaning process for beer lines similar to that for soft drinks? Yeah, it's a pretty similar process. Beer lines, they sell a cleaning keg, which you can hook, fill that keg up with your warm water, pressurize it. You can hook each tap up to one keg, and then you run your clean water through and then your sanitizer through, or you can use an old keg, old empty keg, clean it out, fill it with water, pressurize it with carbon dioxide, and same process, you know, let it sit for five, 10 minutes and then flush it out and then make sure you flush out all your, all your sanitized solution and then all the water after that. And then you get a good flow of beer and with the soda side and the beer, you want to check to make sure, you know, your ratios proper and you have the right amount of soda water and the right amount of syrup being mixed at the valve. Craig, let's say the machine had dairy in it. Maybe it's a smoothie machine or a soft serve machine. How would you clean out those lines? So with the dairy lines, it's the same process, just warm water. It'll, you know, pull all that old dairy dairy product out of the line and soften up if anything got, you know, got hard in the line or anything. If there's a big section of line that's, you know, of course, the dairy product got hard and it's clogged, it's not going to allow the water to pull towards it. So you may have to cut a section of line out, but nothing's supposed to be able to penetrate or permeate the line. So with it sitting, the dairy with the sourness is not penetrating into that line. So you shouldn't get that, that taste in a thing like a syrup line. Dr. Pepper's very potent. So if you're changing Dr. Pepper to, let's say, lemonade, the only thing you would change there is the pump because the pump will hold that flavor in the pump and then you'll have like a dr pepper lemonade flavor where it's you don't have to switch the line because the line's not going to hold that that strong potent flavor into it there you just make sure you're cleaning the valves good make sure there's no mold or anything like that up in the valves or inside the machine you know i think we need to get the uh, maker of dr pepper on the line right now get the (laughs) dr pepper lemonade combo out there (laughs) Um, thinking of installation, what do you see as um, some a couple challenges and how do you recommend technicians overcome them? So a few challenges with installing the machines that I've came across is pretty much running the, the bundle tubing. You can have a 12, 12 bundle, 12 line bundle tubing, 14 line bundle tubing. And, you know, a lot of them are going through the ceilings, drop ceilings down through a wall or in a floor chase through the floor from the back back of the restaurant to wherever the soda machine is. So you have to get that long bundle. They're not very flexible through certain obstacles. So 
and making sure you're not pulling when you're pulling them through the ceiling down through the wall so you can bring it out to the fountain machine you're not nicking the lines because then you just created a, a mess with a with a leak once you start the unit back up so running the lines is it's a little bit of a challenge do you have just uh, maybe a couple planned maintenance steps that every tech should perform on beverage equipment you want to clean your nozzles and your diffusers there's a lot of times person's done pouring a drink you still have a little drip of syrup water and all that up in there and then the air hits it and then that eventually starts to grow mold so you want to take the nozzles off and diffusers off every night and soak them in sanitizer water and they have a a nozzle cleaning brush brush the nozzles and diffusers off the valves clean the bottom of the valves a bar gun head also same thing you're getting air right at the tip where the syrup sitting and the bag connectors you want to make sure a lot of times syrup gets sticky sometimes they're hard to turn on and off a lot of times that calls for leaks because they're just turning the line and turning the line and then you're getting a weak spot in the line and making sure the 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 on the diffuser and the valve the nozzle the o-rings keeping them lubed with a, f- a food grade silicone Hey, you know those uh, those machines in the in like the movie theaters where you you know the touch screens and you can make all the combos of all the all the different sodas and all yeah, that. Yeah, the like, Coke freestyle machines. Yeah, the freestyle machines. How do, how does that work? I mean, can you give me like a, a quick little uh, little tutorial just on how do they? I mean, the inside has to be intense. They are so a normal soda system that you see at a restaurant. That's the the valves where the, le- the silver lever hangs down. They have a five-gallon bag of syrup sitting in the back and a pump that runs off CO2 pumps it through lines through the ceiling or the floor to get it to the valve. On the freestyle machines, everything is in the machine except for the HFCS, which is high fructose corn syrup. That's still in the back in a five-gallon bag that they pump to the front. All your flavors are all in a small... I don't even remember what size box it is. It's it's a small box inside the bottom of that freestyle machine. And it's just a little QPM pump that pumps it straight up to the nozzle. And it's all ratios are all controlled by computer. That's basically like a big, huge computer. I love those things. I think they're a, I think they're a blast just to figure out all the combinations. But, but one thing that you kind of miss, though, is uh, I don't know what you guys might have called it, but, you know, you ever go to, like, the Seven Eleven and do, like, the suicide where you put a little bit of everything in there? Yep, I used to do that as a kid. The <laughs> <laughs> other thing, the freestyle machines on the Coke, Pepsi has one similar to it. If you're getting cherry Coke, vanilla Coke, or any flavored Coke, you're not getting Coca-Cola. Oh. Really? You're getting Coke Zero because you can't mess with the ingredients of coca-cola no kidding that's fascinating yep that is very revealing are we are we allowed to are we allowed to publish this (laughs) good info advice and a few secrets you're getting it all in this episode of service calls Uh, thanks a lot to emr tech craig anderson next up it's from the field and welcome back to the show gm and vp of operations at hawkins commercial appliance service john schwint and john this is uh, definitely one of the crazier stories we featured uh, tell us about the initial request hawkins was called out for at a new restaurant okay well it was a 
was a new construction in a historic building. So, you know, historic buildings always come with great uh, construction issues. Sure. And uh, we were called in to do startups on all the equipment after it was installed by the construction trades. So we were called out to start up about 10 pieces of equipment at this store. Last minute, of course. Everything's always last minute. Of course. And uh, we went out, and that's when it all started. Yeah, talk to me. Tell me, uh, tell me what you found when you guys got out there. This is amazing. So the technicians went in, and, you know, you have people running around everywhere, big rush, trying to get everything done before uh, they can get their final inspections. And they turn the gas valves on to feed gas to the equipment. And a few seconds later, oil starts squirting out of the pilots on the open burners and uh, main burner. It, it sounds like it should be in a, a television commercial. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the first time we've ever seen anything like that. Stepping back for a minute, what events led to the fryer oil showing up in all the wrong places? Yeah, again, I told you it was a historic building, so... Things are not laid out as a normal new construction kitchen would be because you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to uh, change any walls, you know, exterior walls and everything. So they have to kind of work around the historic architecture. So things weren't as clear as they would normally be. And again, it's a, a smaller building, and you have so many people rushing around. You have plumbers doing things, uh, pipe fitters doing things, the bulk oil company doing things. Uh, equipment dealers are getting all their equipment put in place. They're trying to get everybody. The electricians are running around, and you know, usually those things it's 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 quite maddening. And uh, uh, unfortunately, mistakes do happen when that ha- when that happens. Bad part about this one it was a big one. Uh, the the bulk oil lines and the gas lines are all black iron. They look the same. And somehow somebody hooked up a gas line to the bulk oil and the actual gas feed uh, got hooked into the bulk oil system. How did Hawkins take care of the gas lines contaminated with fry oil? What we had to do is... Uh, you know, obviously there was a big meeting between the dealers and the restaurant owner and and uh, the GC, and uh, they had us come in that uh, as soon as possible, which ended up we worked all night. Uh, we sent in about four technicians, and we had to uh, disassemble uh, everything, uh, any all the gas lines and stuff. We had to uh, run a solvent through them to uh, remove the, uh, the shortening clean them up, put them back together. We had to replace a few parts that, you know, an automatic gas valve we couldn't clean out. We had to replace and um, got everything up and going for uh, their inspections or whatever. Everything you just told me there, all I see is uh, dollar signs. Can you, can you give me yeah, an idea, what the, can I, you give I me an idea it, what the cost was? Yeah, the bill was just shy of about $6,500. Yeah, that's that's rough, especially, right? That was a new piece of equipment, right? There was several. I think I, you know, it was about four years ago, but I think there was like six or seven pieces of equipment that had issues, you know, and a lot of, a lot of manpower. You know, we had four, four gentlemen down there all night taking things apart, cleaning it out, putting it back together, testing it, hooking it up, set, you know, setting all the pressures and everything. So it was expensive. It also cost the, the restaurant a, a day of operation too, right? They were supposed yes. to open and they had uh, to postpone it. 
Yeah, a couple because we did have to order in some extra parts, parts that you know we normally wouldn't stock. So yeah, it was it was quite the ordeal and a lot of freight charges and and obviously panic and time spent on the phone and finger pointing and all that stuff. Well, I know it's probably uh, obvious, but what's what's the big takeaway from this? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to take a different tact on this because service, you know, you know uh, all all us service companies, you know, uh, with with the Commercial Food Equipment Service Association, we talk about things like this and we try to plan how to deal with bizarre situations and uh, train our guys uh, properly and things. And you know, you can't. It's kind of like a, a you know, a natural disease that you really can't plan for it until you're in it. But um, the biggest takeaway that we really came to on this, you know, we all sat down together. They talked about it. They say, okay, this is the plan moving forward. Blame had not been set yet. Uh, we didn't do it. We just, you know, we were there to fix the problem. Yeah. And we always thought, hey, let's just get this taken care of up and going, and then we'll worry about who's going to pay for it later. And we rushed to get it done. It was the big rush to get it done and never really laid out who was, who was going to pay the bill and, and uh, you know, set that money aside to do it. And we have a saying in the service industry, it's kind of sad that uh, no good deed goes unpunished. And oh, no. we, we did everything right. We did everything we were asked to do. Uh, I think we went over and above and we sent the bill out and then all of a sudden the finger pointing started. So the, the, the owners of the restaurant said, no, the, the GC is uh, responsible for that. And the GC says, no, the service company who went to start up the equipment is responsible. And the bulk oil company was responsible and it turned into a big finger pointing thing and, and was leading up to a lawsuit. And then the uh, restaurant unfortunately didn't make it and went out of business. Oh and, man. You know, for $6,500, it's, uh, you can't get lawyers involved to get your money out of it. So that was just a pure write-off, you know, uh. didn't get paid. So the old no good deed goes unpunished rings true. And the takeaway I have from it is I will no longer get things going and then worry about getting paid. All that stuff's going to be nailed down before yeah. we do anything. Unfortunately, that's, that's the society we live in today. Oh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. I guess I was initially going for, um, you know, don't uh, don't hook up your equipment unless they're Zafesa certified technicians. Well, you know, unfortunately, with new construction, especially, everybody's trying to save a dollar. And, you, you know, you're absolutely right on that. But when, when you have plumbers and electricians and everything, they're there. They can they can be requested to do this stuff and they feel it's it's cheaper to do that. A crazy story and uh, a lot of lessons to take from it. Uh, thank you, John Schwint, for your time and support. We really do appreciate you. And as we do in every episode, we close with our nuts and bolts segment where we pose a question to you, the tech in the field. This month we asked, how do you plan to make the most of the Cefesa Conference in October? First up, we have Gary's East Coast Service Vice President, Angela Petiti. That is a great question. I just got the conference agenda and the CFESA Field Notes newsletter, and it is jam-packed. Uh, I'm going to attack it like I do any other conference. First, I'm going to go and learn what's going on in CFESA by attending a committee meeting. 
Then I'm going to go to the service agent meeting, the NAFM liaison committee meeting, the membership meeting, and I'm going to learn what's going on in the industry. After I've done all that, I'm going to throw in some educational sessions. I'm looking at the agenda now. I think the Women of Food Service, YPC Presents, of course, the keynote on disruptive innovation looks like it's really good. Um, and that economic forecast, I mean, who doesn't need to know what's going on um, economically after the last 18 months? And lastly, I'm going to socialize. I can't wait to see all my old friends and hopefully make some new ones. Um, you know, breakfast and lunch is a great place to do that. The opening reception and, of course, the closing reception, which is going to be so much fun. It's going to be a barbecue. I hope to see everybody there. These next three came in by email, so I enlisted some colleagues of mine to lend their voices. This comes from Elmer Schultz Services President CEO Kirby Mallon. The Cefesa Conference in October will be like no other with new content, excellent speakers, and opportunities for meaningful discussions with peers. As president, I plan to be a connector, making as many introductions as possible. I want our newer members to begin to build relationships with fellow Cefesa members that'll last a lifetime. 35 years ago, when I came to my first Cefesa conference, many longtime members took time to make introductions to me. Many of those people I now consider true friends and valued colleagues. You will not want to miss this conference. Next up, we hear from Pine Tree Food Equipment Vice President Dan Poulin. I'm not sure what the topics are and who the presenters are yet, but we have three people attending from PTFE, and the plan is to divide and conquer to hit all or at least the ones we find to be the most intriguing and useful for our business. And last but not least, this comes from Cefesa Director of Training, Dan Reese. First of all, I'm excited to see everyone after a crazy year. Looking forward to meeting and talking to the newest Cefesa members, seeing the new products our vendors will be exhibiting during our vendor fair, catching up with some old friends and our manufacturer members. I'm also looking forward to talking about training and the newest technologies in the service industries. Hope to see you out in Arizona. Thanks to Bob Kessler and Terry Lydon for loaning their voices to those emails. And thanks to everyone for chiming in. We really do appreciate your time. Next month, our question is, what's your one tip for keeping a service truck in top condition? We'd love to hear from you, and you can call in to leave a message. Our number is 312-788-7618. That's 312-788-7618. You can also email or record a voice memo on your phone and send it along to servicecalls at fermag.com. And that's it for this episode of Service Calls, now celebrating two years. Brought to you by TechTown in partnership with Food Service Equipment Reports. Thanks a lot, and be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'm Rob LaFrance.